going to be very interesting and a little different than we usually do. I try to avoid controversy. That's, that's been one of my favorite uh, pastimes, avoiding controversy. But sometimes you have to confront controversy when it, uh, when it, it becomes a, a major issue that uh, people need to be aware of and be able to distinguish because uh, that's, <laughs> that's just part of life. We can't help it. Now, what I'm going to talk about today is something that uh, ties into all of us, and there are a lot of aspects of it. And uh, it's really a very interesting topic. It's all about cheese, but uh, we're going to be discussing it from two points of view. And although it's, to me, I, to me, there's no debate here. It's not a debate, but uh, there, are two, there are two approaches that were put forth, and I want to be able to explain it to the best of my ability and to uh, discuss the, um, what was printed recently on, on both of these, uh, by both sides. Uh, just as an aside, I want to mention that somebody uh, came to me the other day and wanted to know about a dirt and hashgacha. So I told him, you know, it's not for you. Now he said, it's not for you? Uh, why isn't it for me? But I said, listen, I want to explain to you. You go then into this store, there's not going to be a mashkiach, and the place is going to be open on Shabbos. That's, that's as much as I need to tell you. I don't think it's for you. So he said, what are you talking about? That's what they do? That's what this rabbi does? I said, yes. So he's some kind of this and that and the other thing? Hello. I said, no. He's a, a rabbi who Hello. remembers the way things used to be in the 1950s, and he does his ashkacha the way it was done in the 1950s. Baruch Hashem, in the world, we've gone past there. We have uh, sophisticated people people who have put 20, 30, 40 years into the cautious world, who are experts in their areas, who are learned, who, are, who, who do extensive research, have meetings on these topics with other cautious agencies. Have, all these cautious agencies have Rabunim, who paskin the Shilas. We're talking a very sophisticated cautious world of 2017. And you can't equate it to what was happening in the 1950s. In the 1950s, people used to read the packaging, and uh, it didn't say anything wrong. People ate. That was what was going on in the 1950s. But that's not the way it is today. Everything today could be traced back to its original source. There is nothing that is produced today that you couldn't trace back to the original source. Now, I'll admit, if you come to a factory, in that factory they may have uh, kosher products and non-kosher products, and you may be ordering this, may be ordering that, but maybe they got mixed up. Okay, I can't, we can't chase it. We're not, we're not, we weren't there in the beginning. But we can trace it back step by step by step, and we can decide if we're happy the way it was presented to us as a kosher product from the very, very beginning when the company ordered all its ingredients from other places. And that's the way kosher is done today. There's no reading of any uh, uh, ingredients. That's over with. And there's no relying on rows and probabilities. We want to know, and, we're gonna, and the kosher agencies are paid because they do know. And they've gone back to the sources, and they're satisfied. Now, of course, there's a little piggybacking. One Kashua's agency relies on another. Okay, that's understandable. But at least they're doing a thorough job, as much as they feel is needed. And that's Kashua's today. However, we have people 
who are still doing kashas from the 1950s. So what happened now that I'm responding to, I just happened to see it yesterday. I said, well, this is something I really want to talk about here. It seems that one rabbi put up a, uh, a, a, a piece that, of his, which uh, he explains his position about cheese, and he has a conclusion that there's nothing wrong in using cheeses from any non-Jewish company, as long as you convinced with the ingredients that there's no trafe ingredient added in. The process of making the cheese in the commercial setting today, he considers to be not a problem for us today. You understand that's against the OU, the OK, the Kafka, the Star K. Every Hashkacha that you've ever heard of in your life, Kimat, it goes against that. And this man gives Hashkacha, and I can tell you because I was involved with him, he gives Hashkacha on a company that makes cheeses. And obviously, um, you hear his position that a a, a regular non-Jewish company could make a cheese and he holds you could eat it. And and he goes and tries to discuss the sources and some of that information we're going to discuss today. Then, just the other day, this is like a couple of days ago, the whole thing, and then then just a day or so ago, uh, a rabbi from the OU, uh, Rabbi Gordimer, who is an expert in the, in the cheese industry for the OU, and he responded to this gentleman and explained to him, also in writing, also publicly ex- exp- expressed that uh, it's on matzab.com, and he, 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 uh, he, he expressed the position that basically all of the other cashless agencies are followed. So there are a couple of cashless agencies in America that do cheese without doing the way that the, the rest of the Akashas world does. And there are, this is the only man I've ever met, although I met one more, I met one more but he's not even, a, he doesn't give Ashkocha, he's a Hillel rabbi, and he, but these, these only a couple of people floating around in America are claiming that you could use non-Jewish cheeses and call them kosher. The Gemara Actually, the Mishnah says that cheese from a non-Jew is not acceptable. It's, it's not kosher. The reasons for that are really not clear from the Gemara. And it was discussed in the Gemara. They bring quotes. We have, I have the quotes here, and you can look it up yourself. The, it starts in Avodah Zorah, Daf Lamed Hay, in the base, the Mishnah. And the Gemara brings different possibilities of why non-Jewish cheese is not acceptable. And it's not necessarily tied to the milk being this or the milk being that. It's, it's got to do with other things as well. There, there may have been additives. Rennet was used uh, for the stomach, of a, stomach line of an animal, etc., etc. And there were at least four different reasons why this cheese might be forbidden. Now, it's, it's forbidden midarabonin. It's a rabbinic ordinance, and in that sense, it sounds like, you know, if there's a doubt, maybe there's a reason for leniency. Maybe there's no problem here. If you're worried about something being in the cheese, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it is, and maybe it's not, so maybe it's a suffix darabonin. Maybe we could be lenient someone in that regard. But that's not the fact, because this darabonin, this enactment of the rabbis, 
took on a status almost equivalent to a Torah law. They considered the cheese itself to be gufo iser. It's not that maybe they did something wrong. If it's non-Jewish cheese, it's forbidden. Even if nothing went wrong. That's the, uh, that's the halacha. That the, the, it's called gufo iser. And according to the shach, he says that normally we have a thing called sveik sveika, which is a, a double doubt. Maybe this happened and maybe that. And even if the bad thing happened, maybe this, and then we saved it. So the two doubts work together and decrease the, sh- the question. And then the sveik sveika, we're, we're lenient. Says the shach, that doesn't go for givinus akum, for non-Jewish cheese. Non-Jewish cheese isn't even a suffix. It's a it's a it's a vadai. It's not a kosher at all. It's not based on a suffix. It's not based on a doubt. It's a fact. It's forbidden, and that's the way all the traditional rabbis have dealt with it through the ages. And now, in 2017, in 2017, we have a rabbi um, who who has a shul. And who also has a shkocha and also gives a shkocha on cheese and a, a cheese company. And, and we have his position, which is not the way the rest of the world is thinking. And uh, Rabbi Gordimer responded to him, and I, I'm very happy he did. And uh, that, so I want to discuss a little bit about the, the points here, because the, there are a lot of popular misunderstandings. So, now, when we discuss something of this nature and we're discussing people and their opinions and making a statement, the only reason we're doing it is because it was put in the public eye and uh, the person who put it up expected it to become a debate. That's how he refers to it. And he, he was trying to uh, get people to respond to it. So we, he, uh, you know... I, so it is, I think that we, it's a mitzvah to discuss the topic and make sure that we understand that sometimes we can't say every rabbi is the same. We have to understand some people, some rabbis are coming with a different set of values than others. And I'm not making a decision for any of my listeners. You can do what you want. But as far as I understand it, the, the OUOK, Kofke, Starke, all the Hamish Hashkachas, all the Hashkachas that I know, uh, they uh, and all my rabbanim and all the yeshiva learning that I did says only one way. So there doesn't, there isn't a second side. In fact, uh, I did communicate with these people who uh, who are putting forth this idea, and they they asked me to print in my magazine uh, a, a, a debate, and I said I wouldn't do it. I I wouldn't do it. I, to me, there's no topic, there's no debate. But since they did publish. And they are making a big deal about it, so I felt it's a mitzvah to at least make sure that everybody who listens to me understands that we don't agree with this. So here's a little piece from this rabbi's piece, which he put on a uh, website. I'm not even going to mention it to you, but he calls it Jews for Cheeses, which of course is a, uh, you know, uh, he thinks a cute way of saying something else, which I'm not going to say, Jews for Jews for cheeses, the Milchik Manifesto of Shavuos 5777, which you see is very recent. (laughs) 
So he tries to discuss the whole background. I'm going to skip the, some of the heavier discussion and the earlier discussion. But basically what he shows is, which we understand, that there is no agreement as to what the reason why the rabbis forbid the, the cheese of a non-Jew. It's not, not that we have to, we're afraid that this, not necessarily that we're afraid of pig in there. That, that would be the reason why we forbid the milk but of a non-Jew. But the, but the not necessarily for the same reason. There's a, a lot of discussion, and I'm not going to go into all of them today. Reasons there are that exist. My Rebbe Rav Asher Zimin taught us that an interesting thing. Whenever Chazal, whenever the Rabbi said that something is forbidden, they made an injunction. It's to protect us, protect us from something. And if they didn't say why, then don't think you know why. In fact, if the Gemara has three or four answers and no one decides that this is the answer, nobody is, no, no one's committed here, that doesn't mean that no one knows. That means that they didn't want you to know. Because if they wanted you to know, they would have said, because of this, and then if that thing doesn't exist, then the law goes away. I'm not trying to make life tough forever and ever. Let them put these things into action just be a, because they wanted to make Jews suffer throughout eternity. They shouldn't be able to go into non-Jewish houses and eat all the food they want. That wasn't the reason why they, they forbid it. They're protecting us from something that could be dangerous for us, and halacha, something that would be treif. But what that is, we don't know. And my Rebbe said, no matter what you think, there are many other reasons why they forbid something. And you'll never figure it out. And don't even try. And that's the approach that, I, that I've used all these years. That uh, all we know is that they made an injunction and it's for our good. And we shouldn't try <laughs> to psychoanalyze them and do away with these things. <laughs> but that's what some people are ready to do. So uh, let me just read a few words from, from what he writes. Uh, let's start from over here. Now, the Rambam, uh, well, there's a Toysvis. Uh, to be honest, there was a Toysvis. And the, the Toysvis does say, it brings, uh, Toysvis brings uh, an opinion that, that would be considered to be lenient. But uh, that's, because uh, Rabbeinu, uh, Toysvis quotes Rabbeinu Tam, saying that the reason why it was forbidden the cheese is because of pig's milk, etc. And, and, but uh, and the, uh, snake, these things are not common problems. At least the, the snake venom is not common. And therefore, uh, the, there's a leniency that's hinted at in Toysvis. However, the Rambam quotes the opinion of some of the Gaonim that even cheese made from vegetarian rennet is still forbidden. So you have to be that a Jew must make the cheese. And that's what we have today. We hold that the proper thing is for the mashkiach to execute givinas Yisrael. Not just not the, that, the, that the goy didn't do anything, but that we have to do something to make it givinas Yisrael. Now the problem is, and I'm not going to go into this one today, but the problem is that when you when the machinery we have today uh, 
it, it doesn't allow a person to drop a pellet, uh, uh, you know, to drop a pill in a little little pellet in and make the uh, co- uh, the milk coagulate into cheese. In the old days, that's what the mashgiach did. He dropped something in, etc. But that's not the way it's done today. It's done all by computer. So the what has to be done is something that's generated from the mashgiach. And that's a whole discussion in the kashos field, exactly what you have to do to make Gevinas Yisrael. But that's what we're, we're required to do. We believe that it's not an only, not only isn't it uh, kosher if, uh, if we know all the ingredients and everything, but we have to actually add in to make the cheese. So that would be more in accordance with the Rambam. Now, this gentleman, who I'm not going to mention, I don't want to get into the politics involved with it that way, so I'm going to just mention what he says. He says that the Ramor, which is the, the Ashkenaz Poisek of the generations, that he has also a leniency because he says that uh, there's no concern, perhaps, that something non-kosher was mixed in after the cheese was made from the milk because non-kosher milk will not create a cheese. Non-kosher milk can't make a cheese, and that's a fact. The non-kosher, I mean, the pig's milk will not make a cheese. That's our understanding of reality. That, uh, not, so therefore, we don't have to be concerned that a non-kosher milk got in there. True, and the Ramor does refer to this, but that doesn't mean to say that, uh, that we have to have uh, th- that first of all, today you can absolutely make anything. Whatever was in the time of 1500 when, when Ramal lived doesn't exist today. Today you can make anything work. You have all kinds of agents that we can use to make anything work. One example I, I would like to give is the question about butter. Because butter, the old rule was that if you, even if a person believed in Chal of Yisrael, there were many who, who used non-Jewish butter because it grade AAA butter, where it's nothing else added to it, was considered to be pure butter, and just, just milk. And the, 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 our belief is that you can't make butter properly without, if, from a non-kosher animal. It's only going to be from, the, from cow's milk or goat's milk or something like that. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to make butter. So uh, there, there may be some slight amount of non-kosher uh, uh, milk that got in, mixed in, but it was stuck inside the, in the butter. But basically, you could not make butter. And some people relied on that until about 20 years ago. About 15, 20 years ago, maybe even less probably less than 15, 20 years ago. But in the last 10, 15 years, the OU gave out an announcement that you can no longer rely that grade 8A butter is kosher if you're makpin and chal Yisrael. If you eat chal Yisrael, you cannot rely on grade 8A butter, and, if, and you can't go buy grade 8A butter without a hashgacha. Because what they found out is that they're adding other things to the butter. <laughs> <laughs> the pure butter today is no longer pure butter. So that's the way it is with butter. And I can tell you the same thing is happening in the cheese area. And you're, and you're just not going to get 
a situation where where you're going to say just well we we don't have any non-kosher uh, things in the, in the cheese or in the or in the butter we could put anything we want into anything and it is being done so that already uh, creates a whole uh, different process or a different problem over here but again the gentleman points out that the Ramor says what he says however the shach doesn't go that way. And, and even the Ramor, who says that, he says that uh, you have to have a Jew seeing the production. And he, the Ramor says, but that he's a lenient on somewhat on, on how much the, the, the Jew must see the production, whether he must be there the entire time and not be the entire time. So this rabbi, we're not going to go into him who it is, he claims that the Ramor does not require you to be there. That's not really what the Ramor does say. Okay. Uh, and the most important thing is the Shach, because we live from the Shach. The Shach was a commentary in the 1600s when, uh, who comments on the Shulchan Aruch. It's found in every Shulchan Aruch. And the, and the Shach uh, is, is more or less accepted for almost everything, and his and 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 many times he uh, elaborates and clarifies things that are in the shah, in the Ramor or in the Mechaber in the Shulchan Aruch, Rav Yosef Karo, and uh, he uh, the Rav Shach is the one that is considered to be by us the most authoritative, and the Shach says uh, he says uh, supervision is not enough. He said you have to make Gevinas Yisrael. Only two ways it can be done, owned by a Jew or made by a Jew. Otherwise, it's all Gavinus Akum and forget about it. And that's what the Shah holds and that's what everybody's doing today, all the regular Kashus organizations. Then this rabbi, who I'm not going to mention his name, lists five names. I'm reading what he wrote. He said there are, he, he wants to, to cite and summarize the views of some recent major poskim. Number one, Ramosha Feinstein. And Ramosha Feinstein, he says, goes like the Ramon, not like the Shach. That's what he says. Then he quotes a Rabbi Isaac Klein. Rabbi Isaac Klein is a conservative rabbi. He studied in Yeshiva University until just about when he got his smicha, and then he left and went to the JTS, Jewish Theological Seminary of America, and became a conservative rabbi. And he's very well known as a conservative rabbi. And of course, he has very lenient opinions. And basically, that is considered to be like the guru of the, uh, of the conservative halachic authorities. And that's who he's quoting, this rabbi. One orthodox synagogue, um, not, in, not in this state. I'm not going to mention where. And he, this, this rabbi is quoting Rabbi Isaac Klein. Um, we, you know, we have problems, obviously, quoting a conservative rabbi. And the rabbi basically uh, is of the opinion that uh, we don't have a problem because he said anything the rennet has changed so much since it was taken out of the animal that it loses the name of non-kosher. Uh, there is a different opinion that we have, 
that, that we all sort of rely upon. And when it, when it comes to the halachas of Pesach, one of the issues that we always talk about is achshavei. It Achshavei means that it becomes a food again when you use it as a food. So here it's cutting, being used into food, and uh, I, I don't know uh, if anybody wiggles out of the uh, rennet problem, the non-kosher rennet, by saying that it's nishtana and it no longer exists. Anyway, this is a conservative opinion. It's not an orthodox. The next rabbi that he quotes is Rabbi Yashabeh Salavechik, who has been very much popularized in this issue about non-Jewish cheeses. What he said, what he, if he changed his mind or not, I don't know. But definitely he said something about the topic many, many years ago. Uh, I've, I've seen, and Rabbi Gordmer brings down, that, that he changed his opinion. Whatever it was, I don't know if it was anywhere in writing, and uh, I'm going to leave it out because if it's not something that you could find uh, in front of you, then he brings the Chazonish, and the Chazonish says that uh, he has uh, he says he would he would permit it, but he doesn't want to be makel, and he says he could understand a reason to be makel, but he doesn't think it's right for us to do it, and he wouldn't do it. So Yashabeah basically is quoted by most people as saying, uh, it may be permitted, but you shouldn't do it. And the Chazanish said you shouldn't do it. But so far, everybody's saying no, except Rabbi Isaac Klein, a conservative rabbi. And then he brings Rabbi Abadi, and Rabbi Abadi says, no, you have to be machmir, you can't, you can't rely on the uh, leaning opinion. So of all the people he has, he only has Isaac Klein, who is lenient in a practical way, with not using cheese that is from a, non, from a non-Jew. And I, I'll leave it alone just at that because it's so much time we spent already. Now let me read a little bit about what Rabbi Gordimer says. This is Rabbi Avram Gordimer who wrote uh, a piece that came out on May 29th. It's called Sorry to Spoil the Cheese Party, <laughs> which is a, a reply to this rabbi's uh, Milchik Manifesto of of Jefuas 5777. He said, first of all, that anybody to rule on a halachic issue of this nature has to be a great, 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 great rabbi. You can't just jump in on and and deal with Rav Moshe Feinstein, boop, 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 and uh, Vad Yosef and, uh, you know, Salvechik, and and you have your opinion. You, You don't belong in this group. This is the top tier and I don't know what Isaac Klein is doing there, but, you know, whatever, whoever you, that's your guru, fine, but, you know, but let's not confuse the matters here. And this is one of the things that people try to do who are not committed to our way. They want to obfuscate things by saying that all rabbis are equal. I'm equal to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. He was a rabbi. I'm a rabbi. I'm ordained. I got smicha. It says I can paskin. And I can paskin. And therefore... I don't have to, uh, uh, you know, accept the opinion of another rabbi. It could be 60 million Frenchmen, you know, maybe they're not wrong, but, uh, but it could be all the cautious agencies are wrong. And only this rabbi found the truth. And that uh, all the people who were afraid to say it was mutter, uh, he's going to say it for them. <laughs> so that seems to be what, what is happening here. So uh, Rabbi Gordimer 
explained that the predominant position of Rishonim and Halachic Codes is that Chazal forbids Gavinas Akum, and it's a Dovish of a minion. It cannot be changed unless we have people of the stature of the people of Chazal in our time to change it. It cannot be changed. That's the halacha. Something that's called the Dover Shabbat that was that was that was instituted on that level. We'd have to go back and find great rabbis of that level to undo it. It just doesn't go away. And um, another point he makes, as what I told you before, that it's Gufo Iser. He said mentioned this also. Gavinus Akum is of a weightier character and is treated in many ways like an Isidoraisa, like a, a biblical prohibition. And he refers you to the Shach in Dine Sveik Sveika, in Simon Kuf Yud, Kuf Yud Sif Cotton uh, Samach Gimel. Uh, then he says, it's true that there are lenient positions in the halachic uh, world, but they didn't allow none of the rabbanim in a practical way said to just do away with this law of Gavinus Akum. Uh, now, another thing he mentions here He said he didn't. He, the Ramon never said that you don't have to have somebody standing there and do the. It, it's enough to just have a, uh, like for example, a camera. They didn't have cameras in those days, but just the, the, to know is not enough. It you did need a visual inspection. That's what the Ramon felt, and the camera, or Yotzev uh, Nichnas, may not have been enough. So the only one we found who is permitting uh, uh, the non-Jewish cheese outright is Dr. Isaac Klein. And he's the only one that this rabbi could turn to for, a, for his position. And this is a conservative rabbi. So here we have it. I know that uh, my friend Nisim just walked out. Nisim uh, was talking on the radio about people in another country a rabbi who was just saying wild things that are, you know, not acceptable and uh, misleading the people. We have to be aware that in our midst are rabbis who do not express the tradition as we know it. We're talking about all the conscious agencies that you can imagine. And one rabbi uh, uh, decided that he's going to follow the opinion of a conservative personality, and that that's that is going, and he considers himself orthodox, but he's taking the position that this conservative personality put forth, and he's tried to develop a whole system, and he gives his certification based on it, and that's what we're seeing over here. So just I I wanted you to hear this because it was important to understand. That, the, that, that we have mixed into the 1,371, although I don't know if he's in there anymore, uh, but the 1,371 Kashrus agencies, there are people mixed in who have ideas that are not 
that are not held by the, the vast majority of Orthodox Jews. So the fact that somebody calls himself Orthodox, that he got smicha, does not mean that he can't have ideas that are not acceptable. And that's when you call up a rabbi and he says, you know, it's not for you. He means it's not for you. Because we, you probably do not have this, these kind of, uh, of uh, interesting ideas. Now, I want to just share with you, because uh, there's a conservative rabbi, a long-term reader of Kashrus magazine, and uh, he just spoke with me the other day, as a matter of fact, and, and he wrote an article, uh, was probably more than an article, within the conservative movement. Because you've got to take what this, uh, this Orthodox rabbi is saying and go one step further. If I can use cheese that is made by a non-Jew and somehow read the ingredients and be satisfied that all the ingredients are kosher, and then just say, well, the whole cheese-making process changed today, commercially today, is not like it was 2,000 years ago. And therefore, whatever it says in the Gemara doesn't apply anymore, and we've lifted the ban that's existed since the time before the Mishnah that Chazal instituted, which is an unbelievable uh, statement that he's, that he's trying to make based upon this conservative rabbi's opinion. So this is now a little bit of how far it goes into the next level. So they had a problem in the conservative movement, and I'm going to explain to you. And from, the, from this you can see how they view everything, and then we maybe can understand better why the cheese was being permitted. In 2012, May 30th to be exact, there was a vote, 14 in favor, 7 opposed, and 1 abstaining. And they list a whole group of the conservative uh, movement, and their in, they're in, they're inside uh, club there that's the size of the halacha, pizza from a non-kosher establishment. Okay? So, she'elo, the question. Under what conditions may pizza from a non-kosher establishment be considered kosher by, for use by the institutions of the conservative movement? Now, you understand what that means. <laughs> a, they're using the cheese. A, B, they're using the oil. B, C, they're using the same uh, machinery. Now, you have to understand, they make uh, 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 every non-kosher pizzeria makes also uh, with meat. They make they, they make meat and cheese together, you know, and and so and, and they put it in the same oven, and they use the same equipment, and they're not they're everything from A to Z. Under what conditions may pizza from a non-kosher establishment be considered kosher? So they, I'm not going to go bore you with it, and they and they discuss this, and of course they came out in favor of permitting the uh, the non pizza from the non-kosher place. Now, let's hear why, what's important to us. The question at the synagogue level, including the many arms of the synagogue and the youth programs of the regional and national organizations and the professional bodies, and of course the seminary camps, Ramah and Shech, the schools, you know, can they, can they go ahead and, and use a non-kosher pizza? I mean, I don't want to say non-kosher, pizza from a non-kosher place. 
So I, I'm not going to, uh, again, bore you with this whole discussion and etc. But here's, here's how it comes out. Some have asked why we need a tshuva at all on this subject, since it's clear that no one's life will end from not having pizza. But in our, this is a great line. And this is sort of at the, you know, Nisim, this is sort of at the, the crux of the problem that we have here that we've talked about so many times about people want to cut corners, why they want to cut corners. Here's, listen, here's why they want to cut the corners. Some people ask, why do we need a tshuva on this? But in our communal lives, there may be occasions when the ability to eat hot pizza will be of great assistance or enhancement to a constituent group within the conservative movement, like a, the kids' groups they call USY, attending a regional men's club or sisterhood. It's to be, made it, people may find themselves on a trip with an unexpected delay and no access to hot food. I mean, how could you live without hot pizza for too many hours? Perhaps the ability to serve hot pizza or eventually other hot meal alternatives, because once they permitted this, they're going to open up now and yeah, discuss another, about, other non-kosher the things sauce, that they also take in at a USY program or regional meeting would contribute to the success of the event and the viability of the group itself. So this is what they did. And, and then he says a little jab at, uh, at us. While it's very much invoked in today's orthodox world to find new restrictions in many areas, adding chumrot, stringencies that were often not observed in the past, so as to preserve a higher standard of kashrut, this tshuva will travel in the opposite direction. We will explore all pertinent halachic issues with the express desire to see how we can legitimately eat a slice of pizza from a non-kosher pizzeria, what and, and that is where they what, end up. What is so, anva? You know, this person has a so, very big anva. You know, he's yeah. very <laughs> So he's got. They're doing it l'shem shemayim, so that that no one should have to sit too long in a bus without having hot food. Uh, but I want to tell you something. People don't realize, and that's also, this is like beside but this the is point. This is a step. These you know, are the this, steps. It's a step by These step. These are the steps. Step. But you know, I want to tell you, pizza. If somebody doesn't know how make really Italian pizza, I would teach you. That the oil that you're using in the dough yeah, is called yeah. prosciutto. Right. It's it's a pig oil. And the, pa- and the, the pepperoni on top of this. And the Parmesan cheese is always straight. The Parmesan cheese is always straight. So that, that's and I'm telling you, we spoke about so many times, so many this what right now we see avalanche of these so-called rabbis yeah. that are very snowing, very moderate. You know, they think they're so un- you know that they think they know better that two thousand Right. Of years of Chachamim that basically working step by step and follow the instruction of our the Creator. This is something that we cannot stand quiet and not not uh, you know react on this. I'm telling you what happened in London, what happened in Toronto, right, right. what happened in Burkaraton, and all these kind of places that people we you know Rabbi, I got a last week a phone call. Why you talking all the time about this st- store? Well, as I said, I don't care what you're going to eat. It's not my business. You can eat anything that you want to want. It's not our business. Our business is to be to present the truth. If somebody wrote a kosher according to who, and what does mean kosher, and you see, I said this is a picture in my end, you know, that you supply this. 
fresh kosher sandwiches and as a chicken cutlass with a cheddar cheese. If this is a kosher according to who, and this course, this is something that we, we cannot you know yeah. even that's let me ask everybody if they would like to call in. You can reach us now, 718-683-5858. You want to text in, 347-927-8398. You can call us now, 718-683-5858. The reason we went through that whole business is because we wanted you to understand that La Pesach Chatas Rovets, the temptation is out there. And people have to understand that not all kashrus agencies are the same. You can have a very nice-looking person. He has a smicha. He has this. People like him in the shul. Everything is wonderful. And he can harbor ideas which are opposed to what we've been practicing for 3,000 years. That's, that's, the, that, that's what the topic was today. And uh, I just want to, um, to mention that when you decide where to eat, it can't be, you can't come, to, you can't approach this from the fact that the, the store is near your house. You can't go with that. We said in last week's Parsha, we read, we're supposed to travel according to Hashem, and we're supposed to rest according to Hashem. When you're in your house, and when you travel, it has to be according to Hashem. The fact that somebody tells, and I, I mentioned this on the air, it's a terrible thing. For somebody to say to me, I work in Manhattan, that's just like saying, I have to have hot pizza. And therefore, I can take it from anywhere. One, you work in Manhattan, so you know there's a bag, a little brown bag, and you could take whatever you need along. Rav Milizatzal told us that... Yeshiva boys shouldn't waste money buying things in the stores, in the pizza stores. They should take a they should take along something, and that's what they should eat. There were two men when I was younger in, in Mir Yeshiva. There were two men, two young fellows in Koilil, and they were sitting there and learning, and they didn't want to waste the time to go to the lunchroom because you have to wait online. It could make take a long time to get your lunch, so they decided we're not going to waste the time. We're not going to waste the time. They stayed in the base medrash and they brought their sandwiches into the base medrash. They brought the sandwiches into the base medrash. And they sat there the whole time, Bain Hazmanim, and they learned together Bechavrusa. They're both Rosh Hashiv, but good, both Choshiva Rebbe's in, in Yeshiva today, in Yeshivas. Uh, I met somebody recently who was a Talmud of one of these men, and I, asked, I told him the story. He said, he still eats a sandwich for lunch. And, the, you know, he got into the habit, and he doesn't waste a minute. So, you know, what do you tell me I work in Manhattan, and therefore I have to eat in this place? It's near my office? Everybody goes there? Please. When you're asking the question, you have to be ready to hear the answer. If the rabbi tells you it's not for you, it is not for you, just like we saw today. You could you can have a rabbinical name, you can put out an article, and you can quote a lot of sources, but it doesn't mean to say that you're, you're giving people over what the what the Jewish tradition is. I'm going to read a line or two about uh, our sponsor, J Root, uh, the J Root Show. And if you want to reach us, you can call us at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. 
or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Love to hear from you. When you think of Glockmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M, you should think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glockmart. Some of the items that are on sale right now as we speak today and tomorrow, if you like veal, they have uh, first cut veal chops, $18.99 a pound, and veal scallopini, $16.99 a pound. You want something for half pr- that price? Family pack beef stew, $7.99 a pound. Uh, man chocolate wafers, 7 ounce, 99 cents. She bowled them chocolate covered pretzels, uh, $169. And the polar flavored seltzers, fifty-nine cents. And on starting on sale on uh, Wednesday, you can get nine by three by thirteen aluminum pans, six for a dollar. Kleenex facial tissues, one sixty count, one thirty-nine. J two regular eight slice pizza, six ninety-nine for eight slices. Dog and pancakes, three forty-nine. That's a few of the items, and you could save time by pulling into uh, Glatmar from the East 12th Street entrance and, you, and park the car in their lot, and you can load up then with all the special items you purchase in the store. And at Glatmart, the quality of the meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with Basio Safe Meats and with expert Nikor. At Glatmart, you're getting quality kosher. Glatmart is at 1205 Avenue M. Meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dovin Glotmart, tell him you heard about Glotmart on Kashus on the Air over J Root Radio. You know, when I think about uh, the two approaches, you know, the fear that maybe we're too machmir or maybe we're too makel, I mean, you have to understand the way it comes out. If a person is too machmir, first of all, a Kaddish Baruch must consider it to be. Uh, that we're doing it l'shem shemayim, especially if it costs more money, and uh, and if it's required, it's not too machmir. But if chas v'shalom, what this gentleman is saying about the about the cheese is not correct, and he's uh, not you know hasn't been careful in his in his, his supposed research, and his conclusions are not in keeping with everybody else's opinion, and if he's wrong then he could be leading a lot of people astray. So this is the, but this, what we're discussing is not so uncommon. Yeah, we didn't ever do a show like this. We probably won't even do any more shows like this for, certainly not for a long time. Hopefully you don't have to. But, but, the, but, the, but people have to get the, the message that people are doing things differently. There's a, I'm not going to go into the details, but there's a, there's a, there's a college which has a kosher program there. And the people, the kids who go to the college will not use the kosher program. The people who are using the kosher program are people who are not, who are not committed to kosher because they don't feel the standard is good enough. There, are, there definitely are different level standards in kashras. And we have to do the, the, due, uh, the due diligence to find out. You know, you call up, a kashrus agency, you ask your rabbi. And I told the story, the, the Shabbos, I spoke to a group of ladies, and I told the story, which I may have told here on the, on the radio before. But in, 40 years ago, there was a, a chalev controversy. Some people came from Eretz Israel, and they found chalev in the meats that were, that were being served. 
And at that point, everybody studied the, uh, the laws of Chalev and the traditions of Chalev, the forbidden fats, and uh, there were emergency meetings in the kashrus agencies. They took entire animals in, with all the rabbis sitting there and discussing how it's supposed to be, whether this is chalev or that's not chalev. There was a serious issue, and people stopped eating meat completely. And, I, and, and somebody came up to me in Mir Yeshiva, and he said to me, Rabbi Wickler, do you eat meat? I said, yes. He said, how could you eat meat? There's a whole chalev problem. I said, there's plenty of places in New York to eat meat. Really? I said, yes. He said, I, I, where, what? I said, listen, there are 25 people in New York that, that, uh, that, that paskin the laws of uh, women's laws, which affect men and women. And wherever they tell you that they eat, buy meat, you can, you can buy over there. So what are you talking about? And I said, listen, that's, this is Kares. And that's Kares. The, the, law, the, the, the laws between men and women uh, uh, can, can result in kares. And the prohibition of eating chalev is kares, being cut off, dying before your time, and, uh, and cut off from olam haba. And, and you can get the same punishment for either one. So he says, so what? So I said, if the rabbi paskins this, you can trust him on that. He said, what are you talking about? The rabbi doesn't know. The rabbi doesn't know kashras. I mean, he knows the halach and shulchan Arab, but he doesn't know what's going on in the kashras world. Well, it's, it's a vast thing. He doesn't know anything about it. I said, you're right. But he has yira shemayim. He has fear of heaven. And he can be trusted because he investigated for himself, for his own neshama. He's a serious person who wouldn't dare say something wrong because he doesn't want to mess up the, the man or the woman. So you could, he's, he's, a, he's a sincere, knowledgeable, from, careful individual. And he did his due diligence. So you can piggyback on it. If he's eating from this one, you could eat from there. And that's what I did myself. I ate from what my Rebbe did. Rav Hashem and Zatzal was my Rebbe. And I said to him, where do we buy meat from? Where are you buying meat from? He ate meat every day. He held it was very healthy. He ate meat every day, and Rav Zim told me where he bought meat from Rabbi Lam, Mr. Lamb in 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 in, uh, in uh, Williamsburg, and that's we switched to right away. That's who we started buying our meat from, if, until the, the matter cleared up, and then we switched to another butcher in Manhattan, which was under the Broyers, and that we were very careful about it. But with the Rav Zatzal sent us over there. That's the only place we were going to buy meat from. But I knew the other people, some of the other people who paskin those shilas, and they were very careful about the meat too. And they, and I know they were using certain other butchers. And I feel that, you know, we, we have to go respect our own rabbis, and that's what's really needed. Much more, people have to ask their rabbis, where should I go? What should I do? It shouldn't be, you know, I get calls a lot of time from people. They don't. They're calling a. They're calling a telephone number. And they don't even know who's answering the phone. They don't even ask for me. And they don't know who they're speaking to. And maybe they're going to be misled. Why would they call us? Better yet, you should call your own rabbi. He knows you. You know him. And he's, 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 he knows how far he can go with you too. And he might say to you, well, for you it's okay. But he, he knows you and he, he cares about you. 
And that's, that's, I think, the simplest answer to the problem. Uh, Rabbi, I, I want to tell you that I know it's very, it's because we have so uh, uh, wide range of right, uh, listeners, more, you know. Yeah. And the question that said, ask you, Rabbi, it's, it's, I know that it's, sometimes, you know, I, 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 you have to really define the really, uh, the, you know, because if you ask this Rabbi that they said, the JJ, you know, just this. Let, let me you know, tell you. So let this is something this, that, it, you know, unfortunately, right. unfortunately, in the last, year a modern year but we got like avalanche of this kind so-called rabbis that making all this kind of nonsense and making the torah like like uh, unfortunately shmate you know that they don't right. for, for there uh, are many rabbis that are saying things that are that are not not appropriate we understand that but everybody gets the rabbi that they deserve if you <laughs> okay, if you, you know your rabbi and if that you want you want a comedian that's your rabbi. You want you want somebody who who's a a, a paisek or who or who's a, a lamdin and knows no no shas. You know who your rabbi is. You know why you you're going davening in that shul. You know if there's talking in the shul and you like the talking. You know if it's a quiet shul. You know what you're going for. The people get what they want, and that's why I tell them because I can't I can't take somebody who let's say prays in the synagogue of this rabbi we were talking about who, who permits the cheese. I can't tell that person, call call up some gadol and then, uh, you know, an Eretz Israel and ask a shayla. He's not going to listen to me. He says, I have a wonderful rabbi. He's a nice young fellow. He makes nice impression. He speaks beautifully, by the way. And, and uh, you know, we, we're very happy with him. So why in the world will he switch? So I can't go, I can't get past there. If somebody wants to, of course, they can go look look higher up, but there's no question that uh, if you have a chash of a rabbi that you really respect very very much, then you can be sure that he's taking kashrus very seriously as well. Nobody's calling in. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. No. No. It's, you know. Do we have any? One, one do we question. have any texts? Uh, thank okay. you for the show. Uh, we listen each week. We okay. Learn. What do they say? What's your opinion on buying meat from a grocery store? Buy meat from a grocery store. I I I, I suppose I don't know. I see it. Can you see it here? But you, you must mean like, for example, a supermarket. So you so you talk about a non-Jewish supermarket. You go to Shoprite or or something else, and and you buy meat over there that maybe is fresh meat or it's frozen meat or whatever it is. There's no difference between buying anything else in that store. If there is a there is <laughs> on the book still, there was the Agudas Harabonim. Which the Gedoli Israel were the head of. Okay. Well, they, that was their business. That, that was their whole. There was a chaver of theirs. I mean, Moshe Feinstein and uh, etc. All the Gedoli Israel were members of Agudas Harabonim. And Agudas Harabonim came out with a, an injunction on buying kosher meat from a place that sells kosher and trefer meat. They made an injunction, which would technically be a problem for all of these uh, uh, these stores, especially when you're now selling fresh meat. And uh, this was brought up at an ACO meeting because the, all the cautious agencies are permitting uh, the fresh meat, which is pa it's packaged, etc., in the store, and they have a mashkiach in the back, and they put out the meat, and then they go away, and uh, the people are buying from that. And it's a question whether it's breaking the law, but uh, the injunction that Yagodas Harub instituted. 
so many, many years ago. And the feeling of the rabbis was, A, that it's not similar because it's not fresh. It's, it may be fresh meat, etc., but it is not, it, it's a separate packaging. It's a controlled packaging, and they don't feel that there's any way that this tamper, was tamper-proof, and they felt that the t- packaging itself is, uh, is enough. And then there's, of course, the question of the need because uh, sometimes the only place where you can get, in some communities, the only place you could get meat, there were no kosher butchers. This whole thing was instituted many, many years ago in Albany um, with Price Chopper, and uh, it's the way they got fresh meat. And it was the only way they could get it, and now it became a very popular uh, methodology. Um, I don't have any opinion on it. But that's, uh, but that was the, the the question of whether you could, uh, of whether it was forbidden by this injunction by the Agudas Harabonim. But Agudas Harabonim is not functioning now, and it, uh, no one's ever heard of this thing. It just happens to be fact. It was instituted, and and nobody seems to be concerned about it. And if you're buying uh, frozen this, a frozen that, a, a fresh thing, and it's it's wrapped in a way that you are convinced could not be uh, tampered with, and it has a double seal. And you're satisfied with that, and your rabbi is satisfied with that, then I don't see there's anything wrong. Lahalacha. Okay? We have, not, we have okay. any more time? Okay, not. Okay, so well, let me, uh, let me wish everybody a good week. This is Rabbi Yosef Wickler, the editor of Kashrus Magazine. If you want to reach us, whether you'd like to get a subscription to the magazine, Kashrus Magazine, or you want the Kosher Travel Guide issue that just came out, uh, or you have any issues you would like to bring up about Kashrus or some suggestions for what we'd like to have discussed on the show or reactions, we'd love to hear from you, 718-336-8544, or you can reach us by email at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Till next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler.